0: (laughs) Anybody else being fearful this morning? Uh, Rachel was supposed to be speaking this morning. She is one of those uh, people who is at very high risk. And there are a number of people here this morning, but there are a number of people in our church and in our community who are at high risk. And so we're in a sermon series going through Lent and actually having stepped in and looked at what I was supposed to do this morning, I'm going to lay that to one side. Uh, That's partly because we were supposed to do the whole of Acts chapter 17 this morning. If you have a Bible in front of you, if you can get access to a Bible, then have a look at Acts chapter 17. If you can't do that, then have a look this afternoon. Because what you will find is that there are a number of experiences that Paul and his companions have as they are spreading the good news. And the Bishop of Oxford, who is guiding our structure through Lent this year, has wanted us to think as communities and churches about principles of deep fishing, about being those people who are courageous enough to do the counterculture, to go out into the deep water, where the fish are definitely not gonna be, to let our nets down, when you fished all night and caught nothing and only just washed them and put them away, and trust that He will do something completely unexpected. And the Bishop wants to suggest that there are four principles that churches should look at. Uh, the first is that uh, the Holy Spirit should be our guide and our director, the second is that God works in unexpected ways and places and people. And then there were two that I was supposed to cover this morning, uh, that different places respond in different ways. And if you read through Acts chapter 17, you will see that very clearly. Okay? The Bereans eagerly receive the word, and they give away, and they read their scriptures at night, and Paul commends them for that. Very different experience in Thessaloniki. very different experience again in Athens. And then the fourth thing, which I think is relevant to this morning, the bishop would like us to contemplate is that we need to be courageous. And even as I was sat here this morning, I was put in mind of the sermon series that Victor uh, initiated about Gideon some time ago. Do you remember that? Do you remember the beginning of that sermon series? I looked it up just uh, as I was preparing to stand up now. This would be Judges chapter 6, verse eleven. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak of Gophra, which belonged to Joash Je- Je- the the Ezerite. The- 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 hmm. uh, as his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty warrior. Remember that? Mighty warrior? Not Gideon, eh? And so I ask, is anybody being fearful this morning? How do we talk about courage? What is courage? Is courage simply the absence of fear? Uh, There'll be a couple of men in this room who will have heard this anecdote before. But many, many years ago, when I was having a small adventure, uh, I pitched a tent in the middle of the Mojave Desert one night and it was getting dark and it was very cold and as I looked on the ground around me, I saw an uncountable number of holes on the ground, all different sizes, some very small, some very large. And getting my tent pegs into the ground was a phenomenally challenging thing to do because the ground was really hard and stony. And in the middle of the night, the tent fell down on me in the middle of a rain shower. And uh, I woke up the next morning and I packed up my tent and I got back on the road. And sometime later, I I, uh, I told this anecdote to a friend of mine in San Diego. and She said, she said, you did what? You spent a night in the Mojave Desert? It's a good job it was the winter, because if you had done that in the summer, you would not be here to tell this story. I said, what on earth do you mean? She said, well, all those holes you were talking about, every single one of those holes belongs to something that would have bitten you, and stung you, or generally killed you, all blink of an eye. But by all accounts, the Mojave is not a place you necessarily want to go wandering around in in the middle of summer, if you don't know what you're doing. So, was I courageous? when I pitched my tent that night. (laughs) I wasn't, was I? Ignorance is bliss, it's not courage. (laughs) So what is the difference? What is it that we are being called to be if we're being called to be courageous? And is that actually quite a good question to be asking this morning of all mornings? You may not be worried. But I know there are an awful lot of people in this room who are. My son is halfway, just over halfway through his training course with Virgin Romantic to become cabin crew. Uh, A consortium of airlines wrote to the government this morning and said, if you don't do something, we're all done. And if that's true of the airlines, it's true of all the hotels and all the mean This is just a big deal. It's a very big deal. It's a good time to be courageous. But I've been scratching my head and asking myself, what does it mean to encourage you this morning? How do I do that? How do I provide you with encouragement? And one of the ways I thought about doing that was to talk about those experiences of the church in particular situations where they have been under pressure. Different kinds of suffering. And one of the books that we have at home is a book all about persecution in China and the Far East. And I was very tempted to read you the last paragraphs from more or less the last page which talks about how there is some very clear, however mysterious, some very clear link between the persecution of the church and its thriving and its growth. 200 years ago I did a church history essay on the Orthodox Church in Stalin's Russia. And one of the things that I learned in the course of researching and writing my essay is that the underground church in Russia in the 1930s had an absolute explosion. And there is some mystery, there is some mystery here about the relationship between suffering and persecution and the thriving of the church. So how do I encourage you this morning? if courage is not simply the absence of fear, but maybe courage is about working in spite of fear, maybe there is something for us. If you notice what Pope Francis said to his priests in Italy on the 9th of March, he did a uh, 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 communication from the Vatican, and he said these words are precisely, Let us pray to the Lord. I should add that the ninth is after Italy went into lockdown. This was the day that the government said, okay, we're going to have to shut the country down. These are the words of Pope Francis. Let us pray to the Lord also for our priests, that they may have the courage to go out to the sick people, bringing the strength of God's word and the Eucharist, and accompany the health workers and volunteers in this work that they are doing and now here's the thing you see here you and i we are priests okay so those words are not for the specialists that get to wear the uniform those words are actually for every single one of us in this room that is quite a challenge i think so if you now look through acts chapter 17 again what you find is all of those things are true There is resistance left, right, and centre. There is hardship, there is persecution, there are beatings, and there are all kinds of things. But actually, as I reflected on this, what I realised is actually what we do is we just hone in on those first five verses. And why do we do that? Because what is the gospel? What is the good news? After Paul and Silas had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days argued with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Messiah to suffer and to rise from the dead, saying, This Messiah, Jesus, who I am proclaiming to you. That's it. If you want to know what to do today, if you want to know what to do tomorrow, if you want to know what to do three weeks from now, focus on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Focus on not what can destroy the body, but on he who can destroy the body and the soul. Because fundamentally, our hope cannot be in Boris Johnson. Fundamentally, our hope cannot be in the chief medical officer. Fundamentally, our hope cannot be that there are enough beds. Fundamentally, our hope, the hope that we have and the hope that we share with one another, is that Jesus Christ came to pay the price, the ultimate price. The price which means that whatever happens to our bodies, we have an eternal hope and an eternal surety and an eternal salvation, which isn't just for us, isn't just ours, but is ours to share. And then you crack open your Bibles when you're all stuck at home because you can't go anywhere else and read the rest of the New Testament. Because it'll tell you that it's not enough for us just to comfort ourselves with it but that actually then we need to get our hands dirty, wash each other's feet well, am not allow to touch you. Except that I need to have the courage to go out and go to the sick people, bringing the strength of God's Word and the Eucharist and accompanying the health workers and volunteers in this work. I think the reality is that we're going to need each other in the coming weeks and months. We're going to have to find different ways of community. But we need to be praying for each other. And we need to be doing those practical things sharing names, getting on prayer trees, whatever else it is. It says that those who stand like I'm standing now should not presume to speak because they will be judged more severely. So I don't stand before you lightly this morning. I don't say these words lightly this morning. But my honest opinion, my honest opinion, Paul says, uh, this is my view. My honest opinion is none of us have ever read through anything like this before. Okay, this isn't a once-in-a-generation thing anymore. It's not. And therefore, and therefore, and therefore we put our hope on the author and perfectness of our faith. So now there are stories about martyrs, and I have another book. And I thought about perhaps encouraging you by reading the story of martyrdom. But I am profoundly struck by the writing of First John. I've been stuck by this for so long because I, I, I struggle to understand it, but I know it's true. The perfect love of God casts out all fear. And actually, when I read these stories about martyrdom, what I'm struck by is not that these people had the courage to go to the cross, but they had such a profound sense of God's love for them that they could do that. They could see that through. And if we have enough of a sense of God's love for us, then it will be okay. It will be easy. It will be possible for us to go out and go to the sick people, bringing the strength of God's word the eucharist and accompanying the health workers and volunteers in this work that they are doing and am i saying this is easy no i'm not saying it's easy but i'm absolutely telling you that it's worth it and it's worth it because we understand that jesus christ has already paid the price for every single one of us and that our hope and our salvation is an eternal thing it's not for the next week it's not for the next three months It's not for the length of the lockdown. It's an eternal home. I think I'd like to end by saying a blessing on us. I'm sorry there's not an ordained priest here this morning. Uh, For various reasons, I think they have a power that I lack. But I'm going to pronounce a blessing on us, and then I think maybe we should just sing the last song we sang, which has some phenomenal words, in case you haven't noticed. So. Let me pray as I bless us. Lord, may you look down on us with favour. May you pour into each one of us your Holy Spirit now. May you lift your countenance upon us and those we love. May you give us courage and strength and power to be your faithful servants, to love you and to love each other. And I pray, I pray a special blessing of courage and authority on everyone gathered here this morning, that we would be ministers of your grace through your living Son, Jesus Christ. Let's start that. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my life, my strength, my soul. Peace. When fears are still and striding cease I return, I, I Out of hell, no sea of man, and death of love he promised that he